WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It's 5 o'clock. Uh-oh. Now, I have my forecast here. This has never happened before, and I might have to do this live on the air. I need to print this out because my script is in one place. The way I put this whole show together, there's a 45-minute script of sound bites and some a little bit of content, and then I tell the story. All right, hold on one second. Play that music. I'm going to go get my weather forecast. Okay, there we go. (laughs) And I'm going to start to this day. All right, so it is Wednesday, January 17th. Let's hope that's right. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny, cold today, high 28. Tonight and overnight, a few passing clouds, low 23. And then Thursday, cloudy, warmer, high 34. So if you are walking out the door with us right now, 20 and clear in Hempstead out on Long Island. It's 15 and clear in Ewing in New Jersey. And it is 19 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. We got a whole lot to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning. Much of what you'll probably be talking about this morning is getting to and from work or score or wherever you might have to be today. I found on the way in today the roads were actually maybe worse this morning than they were yesterday when they were snow covered because that snow melted. Now it's very kind of slick. Uh, some of the sidewalks slick as well. Talking to people all over the city, the tri-state say, yeah, they're seeing the same thing. Uh, it's been slippery, um, icy. Terrible. I slipped like seven times. Uh. Yeah, lots of people wiping out on the sidewalk. Trying to get the ice all cleared out from my driveway and the sidewalks and everything. Getting too old for this. Yeah, so the big news is, and we'll get the latest from Joe Nolan coming up in just a few moments, but the news of today, for sure, if you're heading out at this early hours, the streets are kind of slick, so be careful. So we got snow yesterday, finally, that 700-day snow, um, uh, the snow, 700 days of no snow or less than an inch of snow. That ended because we got 1.6 inches or something like that in Central Park. I mean, just barely over an inch of snow. Another snowstorm is in the forecast. We're checking in with the National Weather Service meteorologist James Thomas who says more snow is on the way for Friday. Anywhere where uh, that received a little bit of snow melt today. So here he is talking about just the same thing I was, the roads across the tri-state this morning. Anywhere where uh, that received a little bit of snow melt today and or uh, freezing rain. Um, any untreated surfaces um, could uh, will be icy tonight. Yeah, okay. Now let's look ahead to Friday where there could be another snowstorm. And unlike the last one where it fell as rain in some places, this one will likely fall all as snow. Because of the cold air in place, um, if, if this system does trend a little bit closer to the coast, we're not really looking at a... At a you know con- concern for rain mixing, and that would just that would just likely bring higher uh, higher snowfall totals to yes. the area. So we're looking at these snow totals. Now this is uh, Wednesday, and the storm coming in Friday, one to three inches of snow. So it'd be a little bit more than the latest one we got. Of course, keep it here. Seventy-seven WABC will have the latest as we follow that storm. We're watching this investigation that's underway after two NYPD cops shot and injured in Brooklyn yesterday. They were responding to a domestic call. Three 
NYPD officers and a police sergeant responding to a woman who had reported being hit by her son inside their apartment in Crown Heights. When officers arrived, some of them recognized right away this 39-year-old Melvin Butler, who apparently has been in trouble before, had physically, allegedly physically assaulted his mom, causing a hen injury. When officers attempted to arrest him, he resisted and this scuffle ensued. Butler grabs hold of an officer's service weapon and shots are fired. One officer is shot in the left hand. Another officer is shot in the left thigh. Yeah, so at some point, Butler got hold of one of the officers gunned and fired shots. One officer shot in the left hand, the other shot in the left thigh. They were rushed to Kings County Hospital. Thank God, non-life-threatening injuries. Butler was shot multiple times by an officer who returned fire. He's in critical but stable condition. Last night, you had the mayor, the police commissioner, visiting the officers in the hospital. Because of their actions, a dangerous person is apprehended. And we have two officers that will be going home to their families. This was one of those so-called routine jobs for patrol officers, which is to say there are never routine patrol jobs for NYPD officers. The NYPD telling us, by the way, that this 39-year-old butler has a history of resisting arrest, domestic violence, six prior arrests here in the city, and one in North Carolina. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez now asking for separate trials for he and his wife Nadine for their alleged bribery scheme. The couple argues that they'd be forced to testify against each other if they're tried together. We'll have to see what a judge says about that. I have a crazy brother. I have four of them. And uh, maybe I'm the crazy one. I don't know. But he seems crazy. He has this beautiful brownstone in Hoboken. And one of the kitchen area he has all glass doors and he likes to open these glass doors they're you know floor to ceiling and open them in the summertime when it's nice and warm but he has this issue with squirrels there's just too many squirrels and they sometimes get into the house and so for a while i thought this was a little bananas he was trapping the squirrels and then taking them elsewhere hoping he could bring down the population of those squirrels coming into his house So I showed him this story yesterday that he's not the only crazy one, a Putnam County man under arrest for trapping and then spray painting squirrels. The Putnam County SPCA says Mark Coon admitted to illegally trapping the animals on his property in Patterson, spraying them with a red paint and then releasing them at the another location. Apparently, he was as crazed as my brother is about too many squirrels, a 62 year old. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, on probation for an unrelated crime taken into custody, he's charged with three counts of attempting to poison animals. So he took it a little further than my brother did. But people go, you know, have, maybe you've seen this. People are nuts when it comes to squirrels. Uh, some just look at them and say, oh, they're beautiful animals. Others, others, like my brother and this gentleman in Putnam County, see them as annoying rats. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to the 2024 White House campaign trail. Everybody trying to figure out what the results in Iowa meant. No doubt you saw the former president, Donald Trump, taking more than 50 percent of the vote, the highest total anybody on a Republican anyway. A Republican has gotten in the caucus in the history of that caucus in Iowa. So now political experts wondering if Donald Trump will run the table and win all these primaries going forward. Uh, or will Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley do something in South Carolina or New Hampshire? Dr. Sean Foreman, he's one of these people who watches these campaigns. Uh, here's what he says DeSantis needs to do. Yeah, you know, the good news is that DeSantis came in second place. 
The bad news is that he came in second place. He really needed to win the Iowa caucus to show how serious he is about actually being able to beat Trump. Yeah, so he's kind of counting out DeSantis, who was in New Hampshire and South Carolina yesterday, also did a sit-down town hall with CNN. A lot of Floridians might want to see Trump and DeSantis on the ticket together, but I don't think the two of them want it, and it just doesn't work out practically. So I think we're really looking for Donald Trump to pick somebody different. He's not expected to do well in New Hampshire because independents and Democrats can vote there and they'll most likely go towards Haley. And Donald Trump will probably perform as well in South Carolina as he did in Iowa. Yeah, so the Republican candidates turning their attention now to New Hampshire, the primary there next week. We've been here for 11 months. We've done over 75 town halls. We have been in Red Arrow Donner before. And so we're going to continue to talk to people. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, they're the first to arrive in the Granite State following Monday's Iowa caucus. She came in third right behind Ron DeSantis. And uh, but she says South uh, North Carolina, uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina will be her state. Both Trump and Biden put us trillions of dollars in debt that our kids are never going to forgive them for. And you look at the fact that they are still focused on the past, whether it's investigations, whether it's grievances. On the economy, on education, on the border once and for all, on law and order, and on making sure that we prevent war. And then you have the pundits who are in New Hampshire who are watching this race. Uh, One of them, the former governor there, Judge Gregg, says he thinks there is a path for Haley to win the White House still. It's a very difficult path. As I said, it's a narrow path, Mm -hmm. but there is a path. It'd be an interesting thing to have happen. He's very aggressive and very effective, and so I don't see why he's backing away from it. A new poll, by the way, finds... Former President Trump leading President Biden in Georgia now. The poll conducted by the AJC shows registered voters favored the Republican by 45 percent versus 37 percent for the Democratic incumbent. The poll also showed 20 percent of Georgians are not ready to support either candidate. President Biden's numbers are affected by weighing support from Democratic and independent voters. 62 percent of registered voters say they are critical of the president's job performance. I'm Liz Kennedy. There are third party candidates out there as well. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., of course, one of them running as an independent for president, holding a roundtable with African-American women in Atlanta to discuss pressing issues impacting the black community. It's a long time issue for my family. It's a big issue for me. And Atlanta is a key city. Kennedy says having charter schools, school choice will allow the black community to access better educational opportunities. And if you look what I've done over the past 40 years of my life, so much of it has been about achieving the vision my uncle had, my father had, Martin Luther King, who they worked with, had for this country. Kennedy says he says a crucial part is to bring financial support to minority communities in order to make improvements and to help fight crime. Make sure that capital is available uh, because those are capital-starved communities. They're communities that can't get home improvement loans. They can't get house loans. They can't get business loans. And that's why we have crime in the black communities. Poor performance in school and good performance in school has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with, with economic opportunity. It is... It is 100% related to the quality of that school. Kennedy in Atlanta, 513. Now let's go down to D.C. House Republican leaders may soon reissue a new subpoena to compel Hunter Biden to testify behind closed doors. Part of their impeachment investigation into his father, President Joe Biden. Hunter Biden's legal team said earlier their client would only testify in a public setting 
and publicly defied the House by showing up unexpectedly to the contempt hearing. Since then, Biden's lawyer has signaled his client's willingness to comply with a new subpoena. It's part of an impeachment inquiry into President Biden for his alleged involvement in his son's foreign business dealings. I'm Lisa Taylor. 514, let's go down to the U.S.-Mexico border. An illegal immigrant on trial for a double murder in Texas pleading not guilty. Jelson Rodriguez accused of breaking into an apartment in San Antonio and shooting a couple who were lying in their bed. He went in there to burglarize them for what he suspected would be drugs and the proceeds of the sale of those drugs. Assistant District Attorney Jeffrey Moliner there says evidence was found in Rodriguez's home that matched what was found at the crime scene. If found guilty, the 24-year-old who's from Honduras would automatically be sentenced to life in prison, no possibility of parole. He saw them both laying in bed, helpless, asleep, bang, bang. Shot them both in the head. Police sort of lead them to believe that they have more evidence against them than they do. And he confesses a solid legal confession. Yeah, there was a tip that led police to Rodriguez, who had been locked up at a federal immigration facility at the time. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Hump Day. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Hump Day. Good morning to you. Noam Lid. Start here with ice hockey at the Garden last night. Blake Wheeler had two goals. Capo Caco scored in his second game back from a long injury absence. And the New York Rangers beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. to Igor Shosturkin made 29 saves as uh, the Blue Shirts won their second straight after four consecutive losses. Vincent Trocek and Eric Gustafson scored in the first period for New York to set the tone for the Blue Shirts win before the boys head west on a four-game trip to Vegas. Los Angeles, Anaheim, and San Jose. Uh, the Rangers are 15-6-0 halfway through their home schedule. 17-0-1 when scoring four or more goals this season. They also improved to 13-5-1 against Western Conference teams. In Winnipeg, the Islanders got doubled up by the Jets. Final score there, 4-2 last night. Anders Lee scored twice for the Isles, who were coming off a 5-0 loss to the Minnesota Wild on Monday. Ilya Sorokin stopped 40 shots for New York, which is uh, 1-5-0 and in their last six matches and 2-5-1 and during the month of January. Got to pick up that pace. Tonight, the Devils return to action at home, getting set to welcome in the Montreal Canadiens for a 7 p.m. puck drop. In the NBA, the Knicks are back out there tonight at the Garden, welcoming in the Houston Rockets for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. The Nets will suit up as well in Portland, getting ready for a 10 p.m. tip-off against the Trailblazers. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Democrats say the drowning of a mother and two kids in the Rio Grande this weekend can be directly linked to the policies of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Congressman Henry Cuellar says the Border Patrol was banned from patrolling the stretch of the river where the drowning took place. All they're doing now is they're defending and deflecting. Kind of reminds me of what happened in Uvalde. He says the Border Patrol has special equipment in that park to spot illegal immigrants. There was a truck equipped with long-range optics, which would have caught the family before they drowned. Equipment that can look into the river, to the riverbanks, and could have caught all this in real time. The president needs to stand up and cannot let the state of Texas continue its Lone Ranger politics.
WABC News Time 519, a lawsuit out of California, accuses Knicks and Rangers owner James Dolan of sex assault and claims he helped Harvey Weinstein do the same thing. The lawsuit filed by Kelly Croft names both Dolan and Weinstein. She alleges in 2014 she was hired as a massage therapist for the rock band The Eagles while they were on tour. During the tour, Dolan's own band, J.D. and the Straight Shot, was the Eagles' opening act. Croft says once on the job, she was coerced and unlawfully trafficked for Dolan's own sexual gratification. The lawsuit also alleges Dolan coordinated an encounter with Weinstein. Dolan's lawyers maintain the claims are meritless. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Let's get out to the Middle East. Just over the 100-day mark after Hamas's attack on Israel, the White House doubling down now on its effort to free those hostages still being held by Hamas in Gaza. The president spoke uh, to this on the grief and suffering that the families of those hostages have now felt every single day since the 7th of October. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby, White House briefing the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan met with the Prime Minister of Qatar to discuss releasing the remaining hostages Hamas is holding. Meanwhile, Hamas releasing more videos of hostages, including images showing the remains of others. Jake had a chance to meet with the Prime Minister of Qatar about our urgent efforts to release the remaining hostages uh, that Hamas is holding. Brett McGurk was in Doha this week focus specifically on the hostage situation uh, and in trying to move forward new proposals to bring them home. And before the morning is out here on the news hour, we'll hear from a family connected to New York who has a loved one that's still being held hostage in Gaza today. Iran firing missiles at what it says were Israeli spy headquarters in northern Iraq. A fireball could be seen for miles. It exploded in a very wealthy neighborhood of Erbil, not far from the U.S. consulate. Correspondent Richard Engel says many people thought the U.S. consulate was the target. The target for Iran was a wealthy Kurdish businessman's private compound who owns a Kurdistan logistics company. Iran thought that company was helping the Israeli intelligence service. Many people initially thought that the U.S. consulate was the target and that this was part of the widening war, this widening proxy war between the United States and Iran. What it did uh, attack was the private compound of a wealthy Kurdish businessman who has a security and logistics company inside Kurdistan. They said that his compound was a Mossad logistics and operations base, the Mossad, of course, being Israel's intelligence service. Let's stay overseas. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says soil needs to be treated as a precious resource. Without good soil, crops fail, prices rise, people go hungry. He was speaking at a world economic event in Switzerland. Biden says no availability of food is what's causing this migration flow around the world that's being seen around the globe. He says Russia's war in Ukraine and attacks by those Houthi rebels in the Red Sea have only made the food crisis even worse. A parent who can't put food on the table for their children picks up the family and moves because it's the most basic thing, the most important thing that they can do. Russia's attacks on fields, on granaries, on ports in Ukraine have disrupted global markets making food harder to afford. Blinken says way too many people around the world going to bed hungry. Global demand for food is projected to rise by 50%. But over that same period, climate change could reduce yields by as much as 30%. WABC News Time 523 out to Paris. Getting more expensive to see the Mona Lisa in Paris. 
Correspondent Tony Waterman says the Louvre Museum, which houses the famous Leonardo da Vinci painting, has raised prices by 30%. A ticket to the Louvre now costs about 24 U.S. dollars. And the museum says rising energy costs and a plan to extend their hours are to blame. But the jump comes just months before Paris hosts the Summer Olympics and as other prices in the French capital soar, most notably metro tickets, which will double during the Games. The Louvre is the most visited museum in the world, with nearly 9 million visitors last year. Tony Waterman. Paris. Let's bring it back home out to Chicago. The cold weather causing problems for electric vehicles. In Chicago, some owners found that charging stations weren't working and others were forced to deal with dead batteries after not being able to get a charger in time. You have to come up here, wait two hours to get on the charger. They tell you the charges are fast. It takes two hours to charge your car. I mean, apparently this is the downside of owning an electric vehicle. That's Marcus Campbell, who leases an electric vehicle. In Illinois, there was a line of electric vehicle drivers waiting to plug their cars in, filled with frustration, ran out of juice. Some of them had to be towed away. Others said they couldn't get to work. They had to find another way to do so. I think EV owners are discovering for the first time that it's what gas car owners knew decades ago, that when it gets really cold, you don't want to get too low on your power supply. That's the editor of a magazine called Carfax. He says electric vehicle owners need to know those batteries don't always work. Plan ahead. Um, make sure you know where your level two and in some cases level three charges are. 525, the World Health Organization announcing that the total number of adult tobacco users worldwide continues to go down. We have 19 million less smokers than we had two years ago. That is the first time that we see such a decline. The WHO urging countries to continue putting in place tobacco control policies and continue to fight against tobacco industry uh, interference. In releasing its latest global tobacco trends report, the organization says the fastest decreases in tobacco use happening in the lower middle income countries, places like southeastern Asia. We have 1.25 billion people Still smoking? Yeah, it's a lot of people. 526. This year's Miss America winner is an Air Force pilot. Second Lieutenant Madison Marsh was crowned during last night's pageant in Florida. The 22-year-old Colorado native is a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and becomes the first active duty officer to ever win the Miss America title. She's also a master's student in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. I'm Brian Shook. Watch me! Dua Lipa, Billie Eilish... Olivia Rodrigo going to be performing at the 2024 Grammy Awards. The Recording Academy revealing that three of the today's, of the really biggest pop stars in the world right now, treating fans with performances of their hits on February 4th. The Recording Academy will announce more performers in the next few weeks. All three singers are being recognized by the Academy for releasing some of the biggest hits of 2023. The opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after a down day for stocks on Tuesday. At the closing bell, the Dow lost 232 points. S&P 500 fell 17. The Nasdaq dropped 28. One noteworthy economic report to keep an eye out on today is the retail sales report. Most analysts are predicting those sales numbers rose 0.4% in December over what was seen in November. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that is me. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 17th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunny and cold today. The high is going to be 28. Tonight and overnight, a few passing clouds, low 20. Looking ahead tomorrow, cloudy, warmer, high 34. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 20 clear in Hempstead out on Long Island. It's 15 and clear in Ewing down in New Jersey. And it is 18 degrees outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour right here in the big city. Ruby Chen grew up in Brooklyn, moved his family to Israel and his son, Itai, was in the Israeli army on October 7th when that massacre took place on the part of Hamas. He was guarding a farming community in the south of Israel when those terrorists breached the border and they took Itai hostage. He's only 19 years old and his family has not heard from him since. His father, Ruby, in New York yesterday, talking to anybody, lawmakers, U.N. members, trying to negotiate a deal to get not just his son out, but the rest of the over 100 hostages still being held today. His room is like it is, intact. I'm waiting for him to come back to clean up his room. I'm not going to clean it up for him. There are eight U.S. citizens on top of 35 U.S. citizens that were murdered and killed by the Hamas organization. Itai is an American-Israeli dual citizen, so there's others that are being held hostage today. Since his capture, Ruby's just been on the move, talking to anybody who could help negotiate his release. He's been to the White House. He's addressed United Nations members. He's testified before Congress. Uh, yesterday in Qatar, they announced an agreement to deliver medicine to the hostages. Not clear how that's going to work or when that will happen. Ruby just wants to know, is his son alive? And should he continue to hold out hope? Say, enough. First sign of life. All the hostages, immediately. A humanitarian aid comes in. You give us proof of life. You show us the hostages. We know what we're negotiating on. Are we negotiating on... A hundred dead bodies? Are these people still alive? Nobody knows. Call up your senator. Call up your congressman. Ask them what are you doing? Actions. How are you getting these U.S. citizens, New Yorkers, out? Yeah, just such cruel and unusual punishment, of course, not just to the hostages. We can only imagine what they're going through, but to these poor families who have no idea what have happened to their loved ones. Let's uh, bring it out to Long Island. Alleged Long Island serial killer Rex Yorman charged now in the murder of a fourth victim months after he pled not guilty to three other murders. Suffolk County District DA Ray Tierney says DNA from Hewerman's wife's hair was found on the body of 25-year-old Marine Brainerd Barnes and that helped prosecutors link the Manhattan architect to the sex worker's death. Uh, And now the the science has caught up. Um, That's, uh, uh, I would say that's a, a, a good break for justice, a good break for the investigation. I mean, that's an unbelievable break. They found a hair on this body. Brainerd Barnes was one of four women found back in 2010, buried in Gilgo Beach on Long Island. We know that it, it provides a small measure of closure for the families, uh, and you know, so we're really happy to provide that with, for them. Uh, we know that 
there's a lot of hard work to go, that these are allegations that we need to prove them. Famed lawyer Gloria Allred is representing family members of some of the victims. She was in court yesterday out on Long Island, Riverhead. This is 2024. Will there be justice for women who just needed some money to help support their children or themselves? It is long overdue. And a daughter of one of the victims, we haven't heard a ton from the families, but the daughter of one of the victims' families spoke out in court yesterday as well. For years, it looked like there might not be charges filed against any suspect for the murder of my mother. While the loss of my mom has been extremely painful for me, the indictment by the grand jury has brought hope for justice for my mom and my family. We should point out Rex Huerman, who is behind bars today, says he's not guilty of any of these crimes. WABC News Time 539. Big budget day yesterday. Had the mayor, governor laying out their budget, uh, budgets. Mayor Adams unveiling his fiscal year 2025 budget proposal, $109 billion. Touted how his administration was able to balance the budget without, he says, burdening New Yorkers. With tax hikes or massive service reductions. And without laying off a single city worker. No doubt a lot of that money going to the growing migrant crisis. Adam says the fact that they were able to balance this is due to higher-than-expected tax revenues, a citywide hiring freeze, and plans to support migrants more efficiently, he says. We took steps like implementing a hiring freeze and a program to eliminate the gap or PEG savings program, setting us up to succeed. Thanks to our local economy's unexpected strength, in 2023, tax revenues were revised up by $1.3 billion in fiscal year 24 and $1.6 billion in fiscal year 25. The mayor continues to beg the White House and the feds to help pay for the migrant mess. In the meantime, he says he's trying to figure out a way to make it more efficient so they're not spending so much money on it. Provide services to those still in the city's care but do so more efficiently and in a more cost-effective manner. And up in Albany, uh, Governor Hochul proposing to increase state spending on the migrant crisis, part of her fiscal year 2025 budget proposal, unveiling the $233 billion plan yesterday, which sets aside $2.4 billion just for the migrant crisis. But until we see a change in federal policy that slows the flow of new arrivals... We're going to be swimming against the tide. Yeah, in her speech as well, she called on Congress, the White House, to get the border situation under control, provide relief to states that are shouldering the migrant crisis burden. Her budget includes more money to tackle crime, including paying for a dedicated team to drive down that spike in shoplifting. Also made a series of proposals to address the affordable housing crisis, including offering a new tax incentive for local governments to build housing. And because these extraordinary circumstances, which show no sign of abating right now, we have no choice but to plan for those costs again in this year's budget. This budget proves that you can have fiscal discipline and that can coexist with people-driven progressive policies. Even with these historic investments, our state still needs hundreds and hundreds of thousands of new homes to solve our housing crisis. 542, let's bring it back here into the city up to Yonkers. St. Mary's in Yonkers just celebrated 175 years. Special appearance by Cardinal Timothy Dolan. Now, just a month later, the longtime parishioners say they're just completely stunned by the fact that the archdiocese may close their church, which 
has a lot of parishioners and they say is a historic landmark. Heartbreaking to most of our community. There is no, no, no words that can express the, the, the pain that we feel. It's one of the first um, churches in this country that was given the name Immaculate Conception. The big issue is that it'll cost about $10 million for church repairs. A lot of problems with this church. And so those discussions have taken place about what to do with this building. It's not 100% clear that they'll sell it off and close down this parish. The church is not only uh, for the parishioners who come weekly, but they also hold services in the Arabic community for the large Arab Catholic community up in Yonkers. The idea that they're going to shut it down without giving us a chance is upsetting. We have, you know, this feeling that's this like our home. They want to join us with uh, St. Peter's. St. Peter's is a wonderful church, but it's not St. Mary's. Yeah, and you can imagine how upsetting it is when you join these churches, synagogue, mosque, whatever it may be. You become a member of these, a lot of times, tight-knit communities where you do all kinds of things together. And so the fact that they may close this church, of course, as as you heard, that one woman crying, very upset. Today they're going to meet these parishioners to figure out if there's a way they can raise the money to fix all that's wrong with this building. Now they're saying it's $10 million. That's an awful lot of money to raise. We want to help the archdiocese. We want to help them. If it's something financial, let us figure it out. Yeah, that town hall is going to take place this evening, and the Archdiocese says they're going to set a representative there. Family, friends, co-workers of 45-year-old Richard Henderson still grieving and in shock after the school crossing guard was shot on a Brooklyn subway on Sunday night. He was on this number three train while trying to break up a loud fight. Uh, Some guy was playing music. Another guy was complaining. And he went in to sort of be the mediator. And one of these dopes pulled out a gun, started firing bullets and killed the 45 year old who's got kids, is married. Um, Transit chief Michael Kemper says it's best for New Yorkers not to intervene. That was his advice yesterday when stuff like this is happening on the subway. Try to avoid confrontation. As best you can, uh, call 911, uh, let the police come, triage the situation. Kemper says the video surveillance in the subway station where the shooting happened could help detectives crack the case. Unfortunately, so far, these two guys, well, a guy who shot the bullets off and the other one who got into a fight with them, they are still on the loose today. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Alain. Start with some ice hockey at the Garden last night. Blake Wheeler had two goals. Capo Caco scored in his second game back from a long injury absence. And the Rangers beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. Shesterkin made 29 saves as the Rangers won their second straight after four consecutive losses. Vincent Trocek and Eric Gustafson scored in the first period for New York to set the tone for the Blue Shirts win before the boys head west on a four-game trip to face Vegas, uh, L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose. New York is 15-6-0 halfway through its home schedule and 17-0-1 when scoring four or more goals this season. They've also improved to 13-5-1 against Western Conference teams. In Winnipeg, the Islanders got doubled up by the Jets. Final score there, 4-2 last night. Anders Lee scored twice for the Islanders, who were coming off a 5-0 loss to the Minnesota Wild on Monday. Ilya Sorokin stopped 40 shots for New York, which is 1-5-0 in its last six matches and 2-5-1 during the month of January. Got to pick it up there. Tonight, the Devils return to action at home, getting set to welcome in the Montreal Canadiens for a 7 p.m. puck drop. 
In the NBA, the Knicks are back out there tonight at the Garden, welcoming in the Houston Rockets for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. The Nets will shoot up as well in Portland, getting ready for a 10 p.m. tip-off against the Trailblazers. That's Sports Note, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. The big story today will be the fact that it's just so cold. 18 degrees right here in Midtown right now. The snow and freezing rain from yesterday, a lot of it melted. Some of it froze over again. As you heard from Joe, sounds like the highways are doing okay. But I will tell you just from my drive-in, the side streets were kind of slick out there. Even a little more treacherous than it felt yesterday getting down some of them. Uh, It's been slippery. Uh um, I see. Terrible. I slept like seven times. Uh. Yeah, watch where you walk. The you know some of those sidewalks also kind of dicey. Depends on where you are in the city or out in Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island. I'm trying to get the ice all cleared out from my driveway and the sidewalks and everything. Getting too old for this. We got in touch with the National Weather Service meteorologist James Tomasini. He says uh, more snow is in the forecast for Friday, but here he was talking about the streets as well. Anywhere where uh, that received a little bit of snow melt today and or uh, freezing rain, um, any untreated surfaces um, could uh, will be icy tonight. Yeah, that was my experience this morning on the way in. So most more snow is in the forecast for Friday. It could look similar to the storm we just went through, maybe one to three inches. Because of the cold air in place, um, if if this system does trend a little bit closer to the coast, we're not really looking at a at a you know con- concern for rain mixing in. That would just that would just likely bring higher. Uh, higher snowfall totals to the area. Of course, we'll follow this forecast, and we'll have the latest for you when more details come into the newsroom. An investigation underway after two NYPD cops shot and injured in Brooklyn. They were responding to a domestic call yesterday. It was three NYPD officers and a police sergeant showing up at this apartment in Crown Heights. This woman said that her son had assaulted her. The officers recognized this man right away, a 39-year-old Melvin Butler, who has been in trouble before and apparently had hit his mother over the head. When officers went in to try and arrest him yesterday, Butler resisted, and then a scuffle ensued. Shots were fired. Butler grabs hold of an officer's service weapon, and shots are fired. One officer is shot in the left hand. Another officer is shot in the left thigh. Yeah, so at some point, Butler got a hold of one of the officer's guns, and that's when uh, bullets flew. One officer, as you heard, shot left hand, the other in the left thigh. The good news is they were rushed to Kings County Hospital, non-life-threatening injuries. Butler was shot by officers multiple times. They returned fire. He is in critical but stable condition. Last night, the mayor and the police commissioner visiting those two officers who were shot in the hospital. Because of their actions, a dangerous person is apprehended. And we have two officers that will be going home to their families. This was one of those so-called routine jobs for patrol officers, which is to say there are never routine patrol jobs for NYPD officers. The NYPD says Butler had a history of resisting arrest, domestic violence, six prior arrests here in the city, one in North Carolina. Out to the campaign trail, the race for the 2024 White House. Everybody trying to figure out what Iowa means, where Donald Trump won just so big yesterday or Monday with over 50 percent of the vote. Political experts predicting, trying to predict what's next for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who came in second place in Iowa. Dr. Sean Foreman, he's one of these pundits. He's explaining what he thinks DeSantis needs to do. The good news is that DeSantis came in second place. The bad news is that he came in second place. 
He really needed to win the Iowa caucus to show how serious he is about actually being able to beat Trump. Everybody trying to figure out if Donald Trump's just going to run the table with these primaries or if something will stop him. DeSantis, he was in both New Hampshire and South Carolina yesterday, also held a town hall. A lot of Floridians might want to see Trump and DeSantis on the ticket together, but I don't think the two of them want it, and it just doesn't work out practically. So I think we're really looking for Donald Trump to pick somebody different. A lot of these pundits saying that it's over for DeSantis already. He's not expected to do well in New Hampshire. Hampshire because independents and Democrats can vote there and they'll most likely go towards Haley. And Donald Trump will probably perform as well in South Carolina as he did in Iowa. Now, there are some people who are hoping that if Trump wins the nomination, he would pick DeSantis as his vice president. But a lot of people say they don't think that's happening. It's just not going to happen. You have two alpha personalities that would not work out day to day. The Republican presidential candidates now turning their attention to New Hampshire after Iowa. We've been here for 11 months. We've done over 75 town halls. We have been in Red Arrow Donner before. And so we're going to continue to talk to people. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley there. She was the first to arrive in the Granite State following Monday's Iowa caucus. She came in third, right behind DeSantis and uh, Donald Trump. Both Trump and Biden put us trillions of dollars in debt that our kids are never going to forgive them for. And you look at the fact that they are still focused on the past, whether it's investigations, whether it's grievances on the economy, on education, on the border once and for all, on law and order, and on making sure that we prevent war. And so what she'll do over the next couple of days is what she did in Iowa, try to visit every town she can, shake every hand as possible. Former New Hampshire Governor Judd Gregg says he does think there's a tiny, tiny little path for Nikki Haley to somehow win. It's a very difficult path. As I said, it's a narrow path, mm-hmm. but there is a path. So Greg says he wants to see Haley debate former President Trump, but it's not going to happen. Uh, those debates, there was two of them. They've both been canceled now. It would be an interesting thing to have happen. Right? He's very aggressive and very effective, and so I don't see why he's backing away from it. Yeah, but that strategy has worked for Donald Trump not taking part in those debates. And a new poll that's out today finds former President Trump leading in a bunch of states, including Georgia. The poll conducted by the AJC shows registered voters favored the Republican by 45 percent versus 37 percent for the Democratic incumbent. The poll also showed 20 percent of Georgians are not ready to support either candidate. President Biden's numbers are affected by weighing support from Democratic and independent voters. 62 percent of registered voters say they are critical of the president's job performance. I'm Liz Kennedy. All right, let's get off the campaign trail over to New Jersey. Governor Phil Murphy signing legislation that gives more students access to free school meals. Today we're building on that progress with legislation that will help prevent even more children from going through the school day on an empty stomach. It expands the eligibility criteria under the Working Class Families Anti-Hunger Act. The legislation calls for public and non non-public schools to take part in these two federal programs to provide free breakfast and lunch to students whose family have an annual household income that's just too low. So in addition to ensuring our children are fed and nourished, this legislation will also, and I mean that literally, give our kids the support they need to fully focus on their studies and ultimately excel in their lives. Let's go down to South Jersey, these brothers. John and Vince Giovannetti grew up in a family of seven kids in South Jersey. And uh, 
when it comes to sharing, they're kind of used to that when you grow up with so many kids in the house. And that's true when it comes to their job titles. The brothers are now both newly elected mayors. They serve in these South Jersey towns that are actually right next to each other, which is kind of interesting. I'm in charge of Greenwich Township, also known as Gibbstown, New Jersey. Over here to my left. Fallsburg, New Jersey, to our right. Yeah, so Vin is, uh, Vince rather, is now the mayor of Greenwich Township, while his brother John, he's the mayor of Paulsboro, both Democrats. They're sons of a butcher and a homemaker. They say they grew up in a family that took pride in supporting the local community. We're just a real nice, classic American town. The towns are intertwined. We go to their church, and so it's all connected in a positive way. When you're growing up, you see that community service, and you feel like, well, that's part of what we're taught, and we have to do it. Special. I think it's real special for our families, for our dad and relatives in heaven are sitting watching us. They would be proud of us. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see that they're mayors of adjoining towns.